You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bring it in. It's time for the Hotard Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Hotard. Joining me today is a comedian who is from Louisiana, took his talents to Los Angeles. It's my buddy Nate Welsh. And Nate has a couple of different nicknames here. Nasty Nate, you know, that's the typical one. And then he goes by Stone Cold Nate Welch. He's a big Stone Cold fan. So, Nate, welcome to the podcast, sir. I'm happy to have you on. I'm excited. You got some great stuff going on in L.A., I, and I, dude, I'm just loving seeing the success that's uh, coming your way, man. So, congrats and welcome to the show, brother. Thanks so much, bro. I appreciate you having me on, dude. Absolutely, man. A lot. All the nicknames you was giving me, yeah, I got, yeah, I'll take them. Uh, <laughs> I, I go by the Louisiana snack cake out here. <laughs> the Louisiana snack cake, man. So, diving right into it, you know, you and I were kind of talking. I've been trying to get you on here for the last couple of weeks now and uh we finally were able to make it happen and uh you were recently by the time this releases it'll have been about a month but you were on kill tony which is a big popular uh stand-up and show out there you were recently on kill tony you did a little bit you know a little one minute stand-up roughly kind of went back and forth with some q a but dude talk about that because the things you talked about in that stand-up i feel like in comedy there's a lot of truth behind most jokes and thing is you talk about being a louisiana snack cake you you've had a couple of bits now where you talk about being from south louisiana and going to la and just the different scenery so i guess talk about that correlation of those things and how you implement them into your stand-up Okay, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I was. I got to be on Kill Tony, which was fucking awesome because, you know, I've been signing up to do that since March, and it's the largest live podcast in the country. And, um, you know, like, they always have real funny, like, all the guys that are on that show are fucking hilarious, and they always have a guest. And Andrew Schultz is somebody I think is hilarious, and he was the guest that I got up to talk with, and that was really cool. Um, but as far as, like, all the Louisiana stuff to Los Angeles goes, like, it's dude, it's a process, bro. And it's, it's figuring it out how to take, you know, how to like step back and like, cause like you live out here, you know, like if I'm living out here, I gotta just do it, you know? And when I see stuff, I'm like, well, well, what the fuck? I don't know what that is. Or I don't, I ain't never seen that before. So I like, I'll write that down. And then I talk with my roommates who are comedians too. And just kind of, you know, figure things out. And I'm like, man, that one of a lot of the times when I'm be like, dude, you should say that on stage. I was like, what? They're like, what you just said. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, that's one of the things I'm really figuring out is that as much prep as we want to put into it, you got to do all the work for sure. But at the end of the day, I feel like what they were telling me on Kill Tony, too, is it's just talking like this with you right now. You know, it's just having conversation and just the shit that comes out of my mouth Um, because I got to get a different perspective than the people here because they ain't got nobody else from the small town I'm from you know, out here. I know that for a fact. They got a lot of people from Louisiana out here, people from Baton Rouge, Lafayette, New Orleans, and shit, but uh, I met another guy from home out here, too, who's a comedian, but they uh, they don't got nobody from Buras out here. 
<laughs> so, I, so I find that really funny. You well, know? I, I think if you asked most people, even from Louisiana, to point out uh, Burris on a map, no one will be able to. Because I can nope. tell you right now, I don't even know where the fuck that is. You know where Venice is? Yes. Yeah. It's right next to Venice. Okay. You got you to go through Burris to get to Venice. Okay. And it's literally like the bottom of the boot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for the sure. The way I describe it is like if Louisiana looks like a boot, I'm from a very tip but a big toe with a boot. Okay. Okay. And it's where the, it's where the river meets the Gulf. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, man, and you know, coming from a town with no red lights, uh, two roads, and uh, you know, people ride lawnmowers to the grocery store and to work and shit. You know, like I'm basically <laughs> from the same town as Bobby Boucher. <laughs> I knew that joke was coming eventually. Yeah, well, I just I just wrote that one like three days ago. I wrote like a bit about the Water Boy. Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited to use it because I got a big show coming up in the next few weeks, and uh, I'm getting prepared for that. Dude, hell and, yeah, uh, man! I got like the biggest show of my time, uh, the biggest show of my life, pretty much so far coming up, and uh, out here, and uh, it's gonna be exciting. Dude, so. hell yeah, man! That's awesome. Um, and good luck with that. And uh, dude, so. We're talking about the whole small town bit. You know, I've seen, I watched the, I watched you on Kill Tony, um, and then I think it was you went to uh, a, a Jeff Ross event uh, roast basically, and I watched your bit there, and you kind of, you do this thing where you make fun of yourself. Um, one of my favorite jokes. It's if if little Debbie and Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Yeah. yeah. All right. So drop that one on me because I don't want to butcher it. You can obviously yeah. tell it better than I can. Yeah. I just, I just say you know um, I set it up because I know uh, I know my head looks like a dick uh, because <laughs> the funny thing is out here because the funny thing is out here back home I'm just a dude with a bald head but out here they got all the all the media shit all the fucking you know the the bubbles that these people live in. Uh, I'm just a big dude with a bald head and an accent, and they think I'm a fucking Nazi. So I'm like, no. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, no. I'm just a dude. But uh, so my bit is, uh, you know, I know my head looks like a dick, but that don't mean I'm a dickhead. Like, I'm not a cop. I'm not a Nazi. And I don't have a degree in American History X. (laughs) I just look like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Little Debbie's Bastard. Like like Stone Cold Steve Austin quit wrestling in the WWE and started wrestling with depression. <laughs> dude, it never gets old either. Every time I yeah. hear it, like, dude, that's just brilliant. I love that you just take that and you've just kind of run with it now, dude. It, it's yeah, absolutely dude, well, brilliant. Yeah, that's my thing, man. It's like, I know that, like, one thing I've learned through doing the comedy out here is that these people look at you a certain way right before you start and then you gotta take it you know what I'm saying so you gotta take you like they they, what do you say judge you you know what I'm saying they they make those predispositions and when they see a big bald dude go up you know they assume oh here we go and I'm like oh no we don't here we go you know (laughs) like I'm I'm gonna call that out I'm gonna self deprecate or whatever I'm gonna call out your fucking things before you can call them out on me and then I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you what the fuck's up (laughs) 
Well, dude, that's the thing, man. I mean, in anything, not just comedy, if you can call yourself out and call a spade a spade and make fun of yourself, dude, no one can touch you because you're already calling out those preconceived ideas. So now it's, like you said, just kind of, all right, cool, what up? What you got out? Yeah, what what else you got? Now that we got all that shit out the way, what's up? You know? Well, and I feel like in comedy too. I mean, I think it just adds that level of level of comfortability with with the audience and you because they now they know. Okay, cool. Like we know this dude's very self aware of what he looks like up here. Great. Now let's get on yeah. with the show. Exactly. And um, you know, I've been working on all that stuff, and I actually changed up a little bit of it for now. But uh, but yeah, that's the one I've been rolling with for a while, and uh, I really like. I really my Stone Cold Depression joke is my favorite joke. And uh, I actually got it from my boy John Luke because he he never put the Stone Cold with the wrestling, but he he said before that I looked like I was wrestling with him because he always makes fun of me for like a wrestler. He's like Nate, you you fucking love WWE, you just over here wrestling with depression. So one time I thought about that and I was like, I called him, I was like, Luke, can I have that? <laughs> and he's yeah. like, Yeah, bro, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, it's funny, man. Like uh, you. You hear this all the time in comedy where comedians will go into their bits and, you know, after their show, they're doing interviews, stuff like that. And they take all these real life situations, these real life events that maybe they didn't necessarily come up with the joke, but they kind of wrote the joke, if that makes sense. And it sounds like a very similar situation to you with. Hey, your buddy's the one who kind of came up with this, but hey, I'm gonna take and run with it now. Yeah, yeah, I took it and added it, made, put my own felt my own flavor on it, and you know, added it with the Stone Cold, and you know, made it, you know, my own. But uh, but I felt like I had to ask him, you know, because that's really the only one that I have that I didn't do myself the whole way. But I mean, I did it, you know, so I guess I did do it. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's always a courtesy to ask, of course, because then if it does get big and, you know, you blow up, then it's like, oh, great. Now I subject myself to them coming back. Actually, I lie because uh, you said you you mentioned the Jeff Ross with the roast battle. Um, Yeah, I've been doing roast battle out here, too. It's on Tuesday nights at the Comedy Store. They do um, Jeff Ross host roast battle. And there's different, you know, comics who uh, go one on one with three jokes each. And Jeff Ross and. Uh, panel of judges or um, the judges and they usually have a guest too so like randomly out of nowhere and like uh, my first one I did John Stewart was the fucking guest oh man and, and the second one I did Ian Edwards was the guest and Ian Edwards is hilarious too but uh, but yeah John Stewart was the guest and he I won my battle and uh, in the in the like the judging part before they told me I won or whatever like before they made the votes John Stewart was like uh with me and the me and the guy I battled, his name is Bear Bear Bado. He uh, he's actually from Thibodeau. He went to Ed White, LOL. And uh, <laughs> I met him at Walgreens because he's <laughs> on my Saint. He's, he's on my Saints tattoo. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I got a Saints tattoo, and he was he's I got the flirt to leave on my arm. And uh, I was wearing cut off shirt and Walgreens, and he's like, "Who that?" And I was like, "Who that, bro?" And we started talking, and uh, he, he said he's from Thibodeau, and I was like, "No shit!" I turned around, I was wearing my last call shirt. Oh my was, god! He's like, dude. I was like, yeah. And uh, I told him I was a comic. He's like, dude, me too. And then like a week later, he hit me up and he on Facebook and he asked me uh, if I want to do roast battle. I was like, fuck yeah! So I got to do roast battle, and I've done that a few times. You know, I've done that three times now, and I'm two and one. 
And uh, I won my first two, and I was ready to go on the Goldberg streak, son. But, of course... <laughs> Yeah, of course, you know, whenever you start thinking about the wins is when you fucking lose. Of course. So that's what I did is I Gotta, let myself get in my head and quit having – I didn't have as much fun and I fucking, you know, lost to one of my partners. And I was like, all right, bro, this shit ain't going to happen again. Yeah. But I got three more booked and I'm excited about that. But uh, – oh, but what I was saying – the reason I brought up Rose Battle was because uh, the other joke that I got – from somebody else because it's, it is it's fun you know and uh and the second battle i did was with this chick paulina from uh kentucky and uh i called her i, I called her gwen stafugly and uh <laughs> and the crowd fucking loved it and uh but so when i hit it with that one it kind of like almost solidified my victory because the crowd like was so loud and like started chanting that and shit which felt really cool but, but she had a joke that nobody really laughed at that much that I thought was fucking hilarious. Yeah. And, and after the thing I asked her, I was like, hey, can I have that? And she was like, yeah, you can have it. as long. Yeah, I'll trade you that one for Quince the Fugly. I said, deal. <laughs> <laughs> so we gave each other a joke that night, and it was really cool. Because I think she's going to change. I think she said she was changing her Twitter handle to, to Quince the Fugly. Dude, that's brilliant. <laughs> but, she, but she called me. She said uh, she called me a minimum wage in Cajun. <laughs> dude that's awesome and i was like dude i need that i yeah. was like i i need that i ain't never thought of that one and i love it yeah <laughs> like, oh that's dude me. that's brilliant that's brilliant like, i really want to change my instagram name to that but uh but i don't know if like because i don't know how instagram works with all that shit but like i don't want to change my name and then not be able to you know i don't know how that how that works yeah what change it back you mean well, like, if I change my Instagram name, like, people have tagged me and shit before, like, will it still show up and shit, you know? Oh, yeah, it will. It will. But, um, no, man, that's, and, you know, it's funny, because, you know, comedy, it, dude, I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be that funny, um, to begin with, but even going up on stage and trying to make people way, laugh, funny, dude, dude, oh, man, it's rough. Dude, it is rough, bro, but let me, you know what's really funny that I'm talking to you about it, I just thought about, um, the first time I ever got on stage to make people laugh in front of people was at Nichols, um, because I was a teak at Nichols, and, um, they had Songfest every year during the yeah. week, and, and when I was a teak, you know, everybody had their thing. You know, like, one dude was like, he's a beast at sports. One dude had one thing, and he's like, oh, he's the dude who gets straight A's. Oh, this is the dude who bangs all the chicks. This is the dude who never gets pussy. I was like, what am I going to – what is going to be my thing, you know? And um, when Songfest came around, I was like, that's my thing. I was like, we get to write and perform our own 10-minute skit on stage in front of all the people. I was like, yeah, let's do – let me do that. So I did that, and me and my – you know, all my boys helped me. All the, all the, all the bros helped me. But uh, but for the most part, I took charge of that and wrote that bitch every year. And we won. We we had 20 dudes. You know, we had 18, 19 dudes. And SAE had like 90 dudes. And Kappa Sig had like 90 dudes. And we're not – 20 fucking teaks ain't supposed to be 90 fuck two different groups of 90 dudes on the stage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Think about the, how much shit you could do with 90 fucking dudes. You know, I got motherfuckers that never been on stage in their life going through three costume changes because I seen they can dance good at the club. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I've seen you at the club, bro. You funny. Like, no, I don't know how to dance. No, bro. Do whatever the fuck you normally do. 
And uh, but but that was like the really the inception of uh, I think or the the, the the first steps toward believing that I could act that I am funny because people always told me I'm funny when I'm talking when I'm hanging out when I'm whatever. And I guess that was the first time I was ever ever able to get like uh, validation for that. Yeah, or, for or, sure. Or proof or proof of that or or whatever. And to be able to have one song fest at Nichols twice was like at the time like my greatest achievement. You know what I'm saying? Because I was like, these people thought we were funny enough or good enough. The shit that I wrote was good enough to beat the rest of them that wrote shit. Yeah. And for me, I just wanted to have fun with it. And like the first two years we didn't win. And I was like, whatever, bro. It's not about winning because we was like the crowd vote. Like as long as the people came told us afterwards we were funny and shit, that's all that mattered to me. You yeah. Know? But but I guess just having that, that championship shit made me feel good. But then I wrote my pilot. And because after school, you know, I was living in New Orleans. I graduated mm. in journalism, which we graduated, I think, together, didn't we? Yep. And, um, and you know, I moved to New Orleans right after, and I wanted to get a job at one of the studio at one of the stations talking about the Saints, you know? And um, that didn't happen right away. So I was like, well, fuck, Nate, you just graduated, and now what? You're bouncing at Republic? You was bouncing at last call. What the fuck? You, you know, you, you, you took a step down because now you're not even in school. Yeah. I was like, well, what do I want to do? I was like, well, I had the idea to write my show when I was at Nichols, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to write that. So I wrote that and worked on that for a while and entered it into that contest and won that screenwriting contest won second place, won the biggest contest in the country. And I was like, shit, I didn't expect that. I thought I would just I wanted to see how it went. I didn't expect to win nothing. Yeah. And I was like, all right, right on. So I had that. And then uh, two years ago, we did the uh, or last year was it last year? We did the uh, the forty eight hour film festival, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, me and my boys, you know, I was like, well, let's do that because my boy graduated, my boy Bert graduated from LSU in film, and my boy Chima, I worked with at the club, is the actual actor, and I was like, well, let's just get all our boys together, you know, we got them a whole crew of people together, and we had nine dudes and sixty bucks of a budget, a budget of sixty dollars to film a movie in two days <laughs> to write, shoot, edit, and turn in a video in two days. And we just came up with the dumbest shit. My boy, John Luke was spitballing ideas. My boy, John Luke was like, you know, we're spitballing all these stupid ideas. Cause they give you the topics. You know, you gotta right. have a dude named, you gotta have a spy named Larry Cheddar. You gotta have a, a prop of a corkscrew and a line of dialogue or whatever. And the genre was, uh, the genre was comedy. Thank God. So I was like, all right, well, my boy, and we were spitballing all these ideas, and my boy goes, "What if, uh, what if these two dudes find a corkscrew and think their roommate's gay, so they hire a spy? <laughs> but then the spy robs him. <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, well, I don't like. I ain't gonna lie. At the beginning, I was like, dude, I don't want to play around with that because if we fucking write that wrong, we're gonna look like the biggest fucking." You know, douchebags, all of these fucking people, and we ain't like that. You know, we cool with everybody, but that's just not something we know a lot about. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But then everybody was like, dude, that would be so funny. I'm like, all right, well, we just got to do it right, you know? And then, you know, I wasn't really feeling that good about it at the beginning. But we did it, and we won We won full fucking awards in that thing. Wow. And I'm like, well, fuck. I'm like, it's a pattern. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the, to me, it was a pattern. It's like, well... This is something I wanted to do, and I didn't expect nothing to do, but it, it was everybody thought it was funny. Same thing, same thing. I'm like, all right, well, I need to fucking 
take my talents to the big game. You know, go see what I can do out there. And yeah. That's where I'm at. And and I would say in the one year that I've been here, uh, one year and two, one year and two months, three months. Mike, if you'd have told me last year before I left, uh, hey, bro. So in one and a year and some change, you're gonna do this, 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 and this. I'd have been like bull fucking shit, player. I'll take half of that. Let's right. Go. You know what I'm saying, dude? I was out here for. I, I moved out here with a job. They get. They already had a job lined up. I Facetime interview for it back home. And uh, I was going to run one of the biggest clubs out here in Hollywood. I worked there for two weeks training. And then out of nowhere, the guy was like, yo, so, dude, I'm so sorry. But the, the owner gave the, the spot to somebody else. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I've been here training. What you talking about? Oh, my God. Like, and and didn't, didn't have a job. And I was like, son, I just moved across the country to come pursue my shit with a job lined up all the way I'm supposed to do it. And y'all going to tell me that? Fine, bitch. I was not happy. I was not happy. Hell right? no. Hell no. But I looked at it with positivity, and I said, well, bruh, uh, what am I going to do? I said, well, fuck it. The next day, I was like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What is, what is the plan here? And I said, you know what, bruh? Fuck this. And I thought, I, I relaxed for a minute, and I was like, you know what? I want to just go do something for myself. One second. So I looked up where they film It's Always Sunny. Yeah. And uh, and because it's, it's like my favorite show. Yeah. And one of my favorite shows. And I was like. They had a, uh, they had something on the internet where it's like the alleyway where they filmed the outside of the bar. Mm-hmm. It's downtown Los Angeles, and it was right by where I was at. It was only like a, I think a seven minute drive from where I was at at the time. And I was like, I'm going right by there. So I went right by, and I worked on productions and stuff down in Louisiana for three years. You right. know, I worked on NCIS, a preacher, and a bunch of other shit. And I was like, I saw production trucks at the location, and I was like, no shit. And I was like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm doing. So I walked over there and I, I was looking for him, bro. I was like, where he at? Where, where is that? Where is that? And then I seen an empty lawn chair. I was like, ooh, he's close. Ooh, he's close. And I looked and I seen a fat dude with a security shirt. I said, there he is. I walked over there. I'm like, what's up, bro? And he's like, what's up, man? I was like, hey, dude, I just moved here from New Orleans. I've been bouncing. I've been doing this stuff for three years back home. I was like, y'all hiring? He's like, dude, my boss is looking for people right now. I was like, hell yeah. He's like, yeah, call you yeah, you can call him. So he gave me the number, called his boss, he's like dude's like, uh, hey bro, I got this dude here, he wants to uh he wants to try to work. He's like, give him the phone. So he gave me the phone, he's like, You got your golf cord? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, You can work tomorrow, six o'clock? Six o'clock in the morning? I was like, Yeah. He's like, All right, all right, I'll send uh cool, cool, be there. Uh don't be late. I'll I'll send you the address. I was like, Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Uh do I need any? He's like, no, no, just be there. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, I was like, what's the, if you don't mind me asking, what's the what's the thing for? What's the, what's the the production? He's like, oh, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh my like, god! I'm like, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I had been there for literally two weeks, and I got a job at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doing security. Dude. And I was like, how the fuck did that happen? Right. I was like, that is fucking tight. My first day on set, I'm sitting there. My job is to watch, is to fire watch the fucking crane and make sure no bums try to come take and fuck with the crane. You know what I'm saying? Which is awesome because, dude, one thing I learned is that as long as they got bums in California, I got a job. Yeah. Straight up because they always – everybody wants security and there's nothing to secure except from the bums. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's really funny because you watch Walking Dead, right? 
I watched season one. I wasn't what, a big fan of okay. Walking Dead. What you, what you know of? What you know of Negan, right? You yeah. Know of the, the, okay. Well, Negan, the dude with the fuck with the bat, Lucille or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, dude, how do they not have a bum Negan? How do they not have a Negan of the bums? How do they not have some bum who just like united and like unionized all these bums to fucking take over? You know what I'm saying? They got the numbers. They got the numbers, dude. They got millions of them here. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> no, sure. No, dude, like Skid Row, bro. They got Skid Row, which is hilarious that they call it Skid Row, like a skid mark. Yeah. But it's it's um, in downtown, and, dude, it's, like, literally miles, dude. It's, like, miles and blocks and oh miles of fucking tents. Bro, the whole homeless people in general thing, I don't want to get into it because, uh, you know, whatever. But, uh, but I've been working on bits about it because I don't want to, like, sound like I'm dehumanizing or, like, not empathizing with these bums. But at the same time, uh, you know, there's just, there's just a lot, there's, it's deep, you feel me? Yeah. And I get it. And it's like, the way these people act, I'm like, the way these, these California people act toward the bums, I'm like, I don't want to say it like, you know, I don't want to say, make it sound like I don't think of them as humans, but like, you know when they say don't feed the animals? Yeah. Because the animals keep coming back? Why the fuck you think any of these bums would ever leave here? This is bum paradise. It's beautiful weather all the time. All the people give them food and money and pet them, you know, make them seem like they give a fuck. Oh you know what I'm saying? They just fucking, they just post up their tents on the sidewalks and they fucking, they got a, a mobile home, you know, they just post up in their tents and all these fucking rich ass people just walk right by or all these other people just walk right by like it's not there. I'm like, dude, how do y'all not, y'all just blind to these things? Or like, y'all just literally tune them out? How? How do you tune that out? I think it's hilarious. Well, you know, I don't know. I, uh, when I was in San Diego... I, I I've never been to Los Angeles and I've been to the West Coast sparingly. Um, I've been to Oregon twice because you know I traveled with Nichols football team and that's pretty yeah. much what took me out there. But we played SDSU, so we're we're in the heart of San Diego. We're downtown. We're right across the street from uh, Petco Park where the Padres play, and we went out that night. And I tell you what, it was. It seemed like every block I was being, you know, panhandled for money. And it wasn't just, you know, and maybe it's different in Los Angeles. Maybe it's the same. But in San Diego, when I was asked for money, if I told them no or I tried to get away, they would basically follow and just keep keep at it. And, you know, we were we were out, we were drinking, and eventually one of the guys I was with just got pissed he's like can you just get the fuck away from me like yeah i'm tired of you motherfuckers asking me and it and i guess it kind of is similar to what you're talking about in a sense of they there's a lot of homeless out there and you you of course you feel bad you know you're they don't have a place to live damn nuisance it's a burden almost and it's like bro like leave me the fuck alone i ain't got nothing bro yeah I tell them, I'm like, look, play, I ain't got no money. I ain't lying to you. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got shit. I'm out here grinding for everything I got. I got right. half a pack of cigarettes. If it takes me giving you a cigarette to fuck off, fine. But, like, I'd rather give you a cigarette than my hands. You know what I'm saying? For There's sure. There's no reason for me to beat your ass, even though I really like to sometimes. There's no reason for me to do that. You know, I know I'm going to win. Which is lucky for me that I'm a big, bald-headed dude. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm the, like, the least, like, I'm not a 
ideal target for them to do dumb shit against. You know you're what not, I'm saying? You're not approachable, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah, because these bums, like, you know, like, like I, I get that the females are scared, you know, because you never know and shit, but, like, for me, I just feel like, well, I ain't never scared, you know? And I'm like, I fucking wish any one of these hoes would try this on. I've been praying for somebody to call my hands. Praying. Because I'm almost one, because the day after Christmas, I'll make one year that I'm sober from punching people in the face. Sober from punching people in the face. Yep. <laughs> Haven't done it. So I guess I, uh, I guess I, with you being in Los Angeles, though, I mean, is uh, is that kind of the the big draw? That seems to be the big drawback for you is the just amount of the amount of homeless. I guess, and is it heavily no, not, populated? Not, that's not the draw. The, the homeless ain't the big drawback, dude. I don't give a fuck about the bombs. I just like talking about them because they're fun for me to die. I'm cool with you. Know, I don't know. I find it an interesting thing because I got to deal with them all the time. Because, like, like I said, I worked on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I also right after when that show ended. When that film, uh, when they finished filming, I worked uh, on. I, during the day, I was uh, working for a security company, and I was doing security in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at like one of these nice bougie ass buildings in Beverly Hills, and my job was to make sure no bums came in the parking garage. LOL. And um, I started making little videos, put them on Instagram when I did that. But it was funny because I was bouncing bums in Beverly Hills during the day, and at night I was working at One Oak, which is like the bougie one of like the big bougie clubs out here, like. Some say it's like the the go to spot, like the the most popping spot in LA or whatever, where like like the rappers and you know athletes and all hang out and buy bottles with all the tens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, so it was funny because I was literally and during the day I'm bouncing bums for digging in people's trash cans, and then at night I'm bouncing rich people who drive Rolls Royces. <laughs> oh my! You know God. what I'm saying? I'm like so I was literally bouncing from the bottom to the top of the demographic of right people. like night and day like literally figuratively really? the whole nine yeah. yeah and like i see shit like that that is a real story and i'm trying to figure out how to take that and put that into the comedy like you were talking about earlier yeah and it's just trying to i guess play with it and figure it out you know and that's that's what it comes with and a lot of these guys out here you know like are really cool like the comedians you know like some of them have been doing it less than me some of them have been doing it long, like just as long some of them been doing it for way longer you know and uh it's really cool to be able to you know uh, get cool with the people in this community of comics because they all can, you know, they all give me different, you know, advice or tips or whatever. They all tell me, you know, like, dude, you're fucking funny just by talking, you know, not not on stage, but just talking. And on stage, they can see it too. Yeah. And they give me them little tips, you know, of like, dude, and a lot of it, you know, like, I'll go to, they got a couple of them that I hit up and I like, go to for like advice. And I'm like, hey, bro, like, you know, what do you think about this or what about when this happens? And they're like, dude, like, all that, bro, they're like, that's all just with experience, dude. They're like, you got everything you need, bro. You just need to keep working. And the more, the longer you do it, the more you'll figure that out and it'll come to you. And yeah, I'm like, right I mean, on. Fair you, enough. You, you just keep polishing the craft, basically. But That's it, yeah. With, with comedy, I guess, and being in L.A., because, you know, getting into the politics of it, I guess, so to speak, obviously, you know, the leftist culture that's very heavy in L.A., you know, we of course deal with them getting offended by everything. So, I guess for you, have you had an experience where you're in a club and just you maybe took it a step further than the crowd liked and they got offended? Because clearly, you I've known you long enough to know that the filter just isn't there. <laughs> yeah, right. But have you yeah. had have you had an experience where? 
you know, you tried to land a joke and people were just completely offended by it or not oh, really? Yeah, dude. I have a bit that uh, it took me a while to figure out how to do it, but uh, I have a bit um, where, about vocabulary because I talk about the culture, about like being from a different culture. Mm-hmm. You know? And I have a bit about, um, you know, like they got words out here that I don't know. You know, like, uh, like I use words, like they got, like we just got different vocabularies, you know, like I use words that some of y'all out here in California don't know, like buku, which means a lot. Right. Or, or kuyon, which means stupid idiot. Right. Or, or respect, which means respect. <laughs> 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 and, and y'all got words that I don't know, like kombucha. I ain't drinking that. Yeah. Or uh, retrograde. Still don't know what that is. Don't care. Some chick with armpit hair was trying to tell me about it. I tuned it right out. <laughs> oh, and, my God. And uh, y'all ever heard of that word, transplant? You ever heard that word? Uh, yeah, in the medical field. I didn't. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know what that meant. I was talking to this chick, and she was like, she was fine. She was like, hey, I like your accent. Where are you from? I said, New Orleans. She's like, oh, so you're a transplant. Hmm. And I looked at her and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. What the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> I, no, guess, I, ain't. I guess using context clues, I guess it means that uh, you just moved from one location to another here. But exactly. That's, but yeah, I that's not exactly that. the right word or the right context. Yeah, exactly. See, I've changed it up from that way, but that's how I originally started doing it, where I'm like, you know, what the fuck did you just say to me? No, right. I ain't. I'm a dude, and I eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, but that one, you know, that one, it kind of uh, depends on the crowd. And that's one thing I really learned in the year of doing it is uh, knowing your crowd, like seeing oh, the crowd. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, because, like, that's always a big thing regardless, but, like, it's really, like, it's it's fun to see for me because I know some of my jokes hit all the time. And I know some of my jokes are kind of dependent on who's in the crowd. Yeah. And I didn't know that really at first, you know? Like, uh, like I have a bit about because I like black chicks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I have a bit about how I'm a dark meat kind of guy. Like, I like red bones. I like yellow bones. I think that makes me a wishbone because I wish to bone them. <laughs> and they black people fucking love that joke but if it's a crowd of white people they don't get it they don't get it yeah and you know and if it's bright if there's a bunch of black people and a bunch of white people too the black people start laughing the white people start laughing too because they i don't know if, whatever they think it's funny too but if it's just the white people they like they don't laugh you know and uh and i guess so that's I, where you kind of got a tiptoe too just because once you start crossing the barriers of of racial context i mean mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like people have to see who the joke's about laughing before they can feel comfortable themselves laughing. And exactly. That's and I guess that's what's crazy uh, in a, in a nutshell about comedy is when you're getting your start dealing with jokes falling flat like that. Like even the, like you mentioned the girl who gave you uh, gave you that joke on stage mm-hmm. and you thought mm-hmm. it was hilarious. No one else mm-hmm. did. And yeah. I guess once you make it big, once you get to the level of a Kevin Hart or a Chris Rock or a Bill Burr, then it doesn't matter because your crowd's buying your jokes anyway. So no matter what, if a joke falls flat, then they obviously bought the ticket to the wrong show. Exactly. 
If you don't like it, fuck you, basically. You yeah. Know? And uh, but it's no, but I think you're completely right on that. And um, I didn't mean to, uh, you know. There's also it's funny because um, kind of the, I guess uh, I don't mean to change the subject, but to go back to what we were talking about about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because you asked, uh, you know, I was saying about bouncing out here, how it's a different culture and shit. I've never had to put my hands on anybody in California. Really? Which is, I haven't. The only time that I put my hands on anybody was I, I put my hand on on uh, this dude's chest and I stopped him because he was trying to walk past me. Mm-hmm. And I had already told him not to come. Not, I told him to hold up and he tried walking past me like, fuck you. So I put my, I like stiff armed him right in his fucking chest. And he stopped, turned around, and left. Yeah. Let me tell you who. Let me tell you who it was. Oh, sh- oh shit! <laughs> so my first, my first day on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think I was talking about it a minute ago, and I went, I went off trail. But my first day working on that movie, uh, I got to meet Tarantino. Nice. Um, I was because they were filming a scene or whatever, and I, I was just working off set watching this production shit. But I walked over there to Crafty and shit right after they finished, and um. And he was standing there by himself, like he was talking to this dude, and then the dude walked away. And it was just him. And he was like maybe 10 feet from me. And I was like, going over there. I was like, what's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> just, just go up to Quentin Tarantino. What's up, bro? That's exactly what I did. I was like, what's up, bro? He's like, hey. He's like, how you doing? I was like, what's up, man? I'm Nate. I just want to say I'm a big My name's Nate. I'm a big fan. I just moved out here a few weeks ago from Louisiana. And uh, I really appreciate y'all letting me work on your film. And he's like, dude, he's like, from Louisiana. He's like, hell yeah, man. Happy to have you here. He's like, how you liking it? I was like, dude, I love it. I was like, this is fucking, you know, really cool. And he's like, well, dude, we're very happy to have you here, man. Come, 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 you know, come out at me again, you know, throughout. I was like, appreciate you, dog. And that was it. But just having Parentino, like, just talk to me for a second. Yeah. And, like, being, like, actually cool with me was really cool because he was talking about how he liked Louisiana. That's awesome, man. He, he told me, like, something about New Orleans. I can't remember. He said something about he ate somewhere in New Orleans and he fucking loved it. Yeah. Because that, that's one thing I learned is, like, a lot of people in Cali love Louisiana. So yeah. when I, they find out I'm from there, they become cool with me. It's you almost know, like really- a card you can automatically pull out just because you mm-hmm. know it's going to be well received. Yep. Exactly, because they know that they either have been there, or they have a story about it, or they have heard about it, or whatever, and that really plays, I guess, well for me, but I met Tarantino the first day, right? Then, a few weeks later, uh, I was working, my job was to watch this this Pimo, like the Porta Potty, uh, like trailer. Yeah. It was just to watch that on a, on, a, uh, on a fucking mountain road, right, like a side mountain road right by the beach in Marina del Rey and it was beautiful bro and I was like why the fuck they got me out here watching this bathroom on this beautiful ass scenery all goddamn day well they came over there to film the scene and the scene only took a few minutes you know they only shoot it, shot a couple takes but it was with Brad Pitt and Leo and uh and I got to meet both of them that day because it was just a small crew you know what I'm saying it was just like them two Tarantino and like the crew like a small crew no truck barely any trucks you know yeah and they were doing like a car scene where they were driving, and um, and Brad Pitt, dude, Brad Pitt's security is so funny. Brad Pitt's security is so funny. Brad Pitt rolls all these because all these celebrities all roll up in like their big SUVs and shit. Yeah, and uh, you know, like they're murdered out like uh, black on black SUV SUVs. Right. Well, Brad Pitt rolls up and they uh, the people on the set called it a spaceship because it's a uh, it's like an extendo um, like suburban. It's badass looking. Yeah, and. Um, and 
it's funny because whenever it pulled up, like his guard, his his like head of security jumps out the passenger seat and like looks around like an FBI guy, and then he like knocks on the door, and then on the passenger door, and then the other big security guard jumps out, and then another big security guard jumps out, like two <laughs> offensive linemen pretty much jump out of the thing. <laughs> And then they scope it out, and then Brad Pitt jumped out, right? And I'm standing literally maybe seven seven to ten feet uh, away from where this is all happening at, yeah. smoking a cigarette, LOL. And uh, I'm just sitting there in my security shirt smoking a Joe watching this shit. Brad Pitt jumps out, and he's like, he's like, man, he's told it to the security guard. He goes, man, they don't have a bathroom here. And my job was to watch that fucking bathroom. So I'm like, hey, bro, they could, I was like, hey, bro, the bathroom's over there. That's all I said was hey, yeah. the bathroom's over there. He looked at me. He's like, "Thanks." And he, he ran like kind of like scurried to the bathroom, <laughs> and, his, and his two security guards like wobbling after him. But it was just so funny because I got to tell Brad Pitt where the bathroom was. Right. And I thought it was just a funny little you know thing. But right like twenty minutes later, uh, I was smoking another cigarette, or about an hour later maybe I was smoking another cigarette, and Leonardo DiCaprio was right there, and he pulled out uh, a cigarette from his like little his little uh, Asian girl assistant gave him like a little Ziploc bag full of shit that he, she carried around with her. Yeah. And I was like, I saw a pack of Joe's in there and I was like, I thought they were prop cigarettes for the movie. Uh-huh. But he pulled one out and he was like looking around but he didn't have a lighter. And he's like, Hey man, you got a lighter? And I was like, Yeah, bruh. <laughs> so I gave him a lighter. <laughs> so so I got to tell Lee I got to tell Brad Pitt where the bathroom was and I got to let Leonardo DiCaprio use my lighter. Hell yeah. <laughs> So hey. I was like, all right, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's a win. You can move back home and be perfectly fine with that. Right? I could I could take that one and retire. That was within a month. Yeah, dude, but, that's that's but, insane. Right? But but then so so the bouncing part was so then they were filming this scene on Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Pantages Theater, which is like the big like uh theater out here, like the the historic one on Hollywood Boulevard or whatever. Right. And it was really funny because they filmed it at night. And, you know, the films, they're starting it at, like, midnight or whatever, right? But you know how, like, on Mardi Gras, they set up, like, the barricades on, like, the side of the uh, sidewalk and, like, everything's happening in, like, the road. Of course. the sidewalk is where the people go, right? Right. Well, they had, you know, a crowd of people, probably, like, I would say, like, maybe two, three hundred people, maybe max, like, uh, like standing on Hollywood Boulevard watching them film this at, like, midnight. And uh, my job was to make sure nobody jumped the fence and fucked with the thing. And I was like, easy, because I've worked for Mardi Gras for years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is just a bunch of fucking people just not fucking drinking liquor, because that's the funniest thing is they can't, they don't drink liquor outside, right? Know, which is right. wild to me. But that makes it really simple to do all the security, because all these others ain't trying to do nothing. So it's just a bunch of people doing nothing, you know? And uh, But out of nowhere, four dudes just try walking through the opening yeah. of like where the gate is and try to come on set. And I'm right there, so I'm like, "Hey, bro, hold up!" And this little Asian, like this little Asian dude with uh with face tats, was like, "He's in the scene. He's in the scene. Get out the way!" And I was like, "Who?" And I was like, "No, who?" And he's like, "Him." And I look, and it's Andy Dick. Oh my and, god! And I'm like, "Hold up, bro!" I was like, "No, he ain't." He's like, "Yeah, he's in the scene. He's late." And then uh, Andy's like, yeah, I'm late for my scene. Quentin, Quentin. I was like, hold up, bro. Andy Dick ain't no Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, shit. And he was like, yeah, he's late. I said, hold up. So uh, the little PA was right there. I said, hey, bro. I said, "Uh, Andy Dick in this movie? He said, no. I was like, get the fuck out of here, Andy Dick. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then Dick tried walking past. He's like, ah. And he tried walking past me. And I stuck my hand out and, like, right in his chest. And, oh, my uh, boy, God. He, boy, that boy it hit a 180 and fucking booked it back to the other side of the road. Jesus. And he just fucking just turned the fucking. He knew I wasn't playing. Right. But I thought it was just the funniest thing that I got to bounce Andy Dick off the set for trying to crash Holy the fucking movie. shit. That's crazy. <laughs> well, dude, then someone like, not to say Andy Dick's high profile because he's not, but. He's not. It's just but he's funny. He's notorious out here, dude. He's notorious out well, here. Well, I was going to say, like, people know who the fuck Andy Dick is. Like, well, it's how? really funny because he's kind of like the, 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 what you call it, like the, 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 the jester. Yeah. Also, like, the, like the, uh, the, dr- the town idiot the town drunk or whatever yeah because like everybody out here got a story about it an andy dick story pretty Dude, much you should have literally do you remember did you played grand theft auto vice city right Nah, i never really got into the okay man. dude so andy dick the first thing that comes to mind so whenever you're driving around on grand theft auto and i think this would have just been hilarious to just fucking drop on him just to see the reaction but there was a uh, there was a there was a show on the radio station on Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and it was called Gardening with Maurice, and it was oh, Andy so Dick's voiceover and it, like the intro for it. It was this like this fucking flaming tune to it, and it was just like this is Gardening with Maurice. And if you would have just dropped that on him, I'm curious to see what he would have done. Yeah. Like, as he's walking away, just been like, all right, thanks, Maurice. Next time, garden with us, please. <coughs> yeah, go garden somewhere else, Maurice. <laughs> but, dude, Andy Dick tries to crash the fucking movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he was trying to go, like, fucking harass Tarantino. Probably, uh, you know, Me Too Tarantino. Yeah. And get the fuck out of here, bro. That's, that's insane, <laughs> Not on my dude. watch. <laughs> that's insane. Dude, but, oh, but my dude, God. It was really cool because I got to tell Tar- later on in the night... Uh, like, cause like when that happened, like a bunch of like the, the camera people and shit were like, what the fuck's going on over there? And like, I went over there and told them, I was like, Hey bro, it's all good. They're like, what happened? I was like, I took care of it. They were like, <laughs> w- w- they were like, well, what, what happened? What'd you take care of? I was like, Andy Dick and his boys tried crashing the set, but I fuck, I told him to fuck off. <laughs> and they started busting out laughing. Oh my and, God. And they went over there and I saw him talking to Tarantino and I saw Tarantino start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, bro, just letting you know I bounced, I bounced Andy Dick out of here for you. He's like, thank God. He's like, ah, that guy. <laughs> he, was like, I appreciate, he was like, that would have been a, uh, an episode right there. I appreciate it, man. And he shook my hand. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, bro. Well, dude, I, it's, like, yeah. I guess it's uh, with Hollywood and just it's a big city. But for stars like that, I feel like it's a small city. I feel like everyone's dude, got a story about somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, dude, is like, look at New Orleans, right? Like, like I, like I said, I'm from Buras, which is a town that's the, the smallest of the small. It's an hour away from Walmart and McDonald's, which everybody calls the ghetto shit anyways. So I'm an hour away from that. You get it? Right. Uh, after Katrina, I moved to Thibodeau, where they had a Walmart. So I thought it was a big place. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a big city living. You know what I'm saying? I was bougie. And then, uh, but then I realized that was small. So I moved to New Orleans. And when I moved to New Orleans... It was huge, but then I realized it's kind of small too. Yeah, New Orleans is tiny. The way the way it works, you know. And now that I live out here in like one of the biggest places in the world, yeah, it's huge. But at the same time, it's also a small world. You feel yeah, me? For sure. And and you never know, you know, who knows who, who's been where, what, 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 you know. 
but like I just find there's just been so many um, like signs, you know, whether you call it from Big G or the universe or coincident, whatever, you know, law of attraction, whatever the fuck you call it. Uh, there's just too many signs to deny that this shit ain't this shit ain't coincidence. You feel me? Right. Something's going on here, and uh, I just find it really funny, man. I do. Well, I think um, I think once you get that celebrity status too, once you're well known. Um, you know, I, I just feel like it would be easy for word to travel in a case like Andy Dick, where you're just a complete enigma to the city. You know, you just, okay, great. It's Andy Dick. Cool. Get him the fuck out of here. Um, God, Andy, not Andy again. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, Andy. Now going back, where's the security (laughs) (laughs) before, before we wrap up going back to the roasts with Jeff Ross, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, so you've obviously got to meet him a, a couple of times. What, yeah, dude? Thought, tell me yeah. about him, man. Dude, I'll tell you this, bro. Jeff Ross is cool as hell. Like, uh, like I met him the first time I met him was that night of my first roast. I just told him thanks. I said what's up to him and uh, John Stewart afterwards. Yeah. And um, the next time I came back, he was like, you know, he remembered me a little bit because he was like, uh, like he remembered my face at least. And, well, um, yeah, you look like then, a dickhead, then, full circle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We got the same haircut, you know. <laughs> and uh, exactly. And uh, you know, after my after my one with Paulina, the one where I, I called her the Gwen Stefogli or whatever. Yeah. He uh, he that one was the one where like I think I earned like his like respect or like acknowledgement or whatever. Yeah. Because like we talked a few times, you know, since then, and um. I went to his, he opened up a pop-up shop a few weekends ago at, uh, in, in Studio City, where it was like a weekend thing where he had like a, a coffee coffee shop. And I went over there and saw it and uh, talked to him over there for about five minutes. And um, it was really cool because he was like, what's up, Nate? You know, like, I can't tell you how many times that that's happened with these comedians, like some of like the big guys like that, where like I have interaction with him once or twice. And then like I see him again and they're like, what's up, Nate? Mm. That is the coolest fucking feeling. Absolutely. You know? Knowing that they know me, I'm like, that is so fucking cool. You know? Like, I love it. Like, it feels like so, you know, like, all right, this is real. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, and, and that's the thing is, like, I don't ever get that, like, starstruck shit, really. I don't ever feel that way. The only time I really ever felt like that was with Stone Cold. And that yeah. was because that was my childhood hero. Right. But other than that, you know, like, I know that the, these people are just dudes. They're just people, you know? They're just people that's just doing their thing. And if you're around there, like, if you're in the environment a lot, you know, they, and you have something that they that they remember, you know, they become cool with you. And I call I call Jeff Ross, I call him Uncle Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> like, what up, Uncle Jeff? Right. Like, What's up, Nate? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm dude, like, yeah, bro. One of my uh, one of my favorite Jeff Ross clips. I, I I can only assume you've seen it, but dude, his roast of the '90s Dallas Cowboys. Oh, dude, it's so funny. Oh my god, dude! And you know, I was watching that probably six, seven months ago, and it's crazy because so many of those jokes, if they were said today, oh my god, they would be yeah, so right. harshly received. Because, obviously, he's roasting the Dallas Cowboys. He's breaking every racial code in the book. But they're, like, Emmett Smith, Shaq. Like, Shaq was there, obviously not on the Cowboys. 
But yeah, dude, like they're all just eating it up, fucking dying. It's one of the most that's hilarious roasts. That is, dude, and that's what I love about Jeff Ross is like, and the whole roasting, like, uh, concept and community in general is like, you know, it's it's no filters, right? Like, you said, like I, you're I not no filter, so- and 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 it's like, you know, it's really. I feel like I can I can do something with that stuff. You know, I can be myself there. And and I can be myself on stage too, but that's helped. Like the roast is really helping me, being able to find uh, find, like help build my like because I look at it like an RPG, you know, like uh, I'm my own character in the video game type shit. Yeah, and that just helping build my stats. You know what I'm saying? Helping build my my stamina, my strength, whatever the fuck you call it. But my um, finding my helping find my voice. Yeah, and being able to know when too far is too far, and when you know where where that line's at, and. This and that, and and also just you know like the roasting in general, like you said, uh, like crossing lines and stuff is like well when we roasting it's we know we're getting in the arena, you know what I'm yeah. saying? This is like the underground arena with no holds barred, you know, throwing people off the fucking top of the hell in a cell and using uh you know chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack type shit. Well, you know, dude, you throw your it's hat, not John, you, baby face John Cena over here, you know what right. I'm saying? You throw your hat in the ring, and I feel like the audience, because dude, if I. I if I was an audience member and I saw someone walk out because they were offended and I was going to a roast, I would lose my shit over it just for the simple fact, dude, you should have known what you were getting into. Exactly. And, like, I never seen nobody leave the roast battle, to be real. That's awesome. And, uh, and it was cool that uh, when Jon Stewart was there after the battle, he was uh, he was saying – the first thing he said was, wow, this is the first time uh, I felt like we should have let New Orleans drown. I was like, and everybody started laughing. I flipped John Stewart the bird. I I actually, now that you say that, because I I had reached out to you about doing this podcast, like I said, months ago, and Mm -hmm. I think that had just happened, and I watched the Mm -hmm. clip, and that's maybe what sparked me reaching out to you, because I was like, dude, that's (laughs) fucking dope. Yeah, I was like, Stone Cold would be proud, bro. Right. He'd He'd be proud of me. My TV dad would be proud. You know what I'm saying? Well, dude, I think it was I think it was Aziz Ansari came here uh, a couple of years back, and I can't remember what happened recently, but Aziz Ansari started making jokes about New Orleans, and I don't remember if it was Katrina or what, but an uh, old buddy of mine was at the show, and he said people were pissed, booing, and got to a point where people started walking out, and I'm just like... Wow. You bought tickets to a comedy show. They're not supposed to be filtered. They're not here to, yeah, they're not here to tell you how cool you are. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, right. And like, I, that's the thing is, uh, like, the, these guys are, some some guys work babyface and some guys work heel. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, like, that's one thing I noticed, too, is, like, a lot of the comics are kind of, it's kind of like wrestling in a lot of ways, you know? Because it's like a, a turned up version of yourself. Like, you know, I know you've heard Stone Cold talk about that before. Of course. Like, how like his character was just himself turned up to 11 mm-hmm. and that's what i'm trying to take myself and do you know what i'm saying and like you you said something to me on facebook the other day or whatever where you were like keep i love the uh, like the ignorant southern southerner chick like, yeah. works for you and i was like okay because that is kind of what i am on a lot of these things and i'm not a dumbass but i am you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm smart, but I'm, a, but I'm a dumbass. Well, dude, it, it's all it shit. all comes down to self-awareness, knowing yourself, knowing how to get that over to an audience. I mean, one of – I was actually at a Christmas party yesterday with some friends of mine, and 
they were talking about my blog. They were talking about Hotar and Huddle. And one of the things that they were talking about was by the first paragraph, I know who's writing the blog because everything that I read from you, the way you write is exactly how you sound in person. And again, it kind of goes to that. For me, I, I of course, I receive that well. I'm like, I'm appreciative of that because that's exactly what I've tried to do. I mean, I've been writing now for... A With, long time. Yeah, I mean, if you include the college years and high school even, I mean, you're talking a decade's worth of working on my craft, and really within the last five to six years, I'd say I'd really been trying to hone it in, you know, and I love kind of flirting with that line of being truthful, but also being a dick about it, too. That's what I was going to say, dude, is I love your writing. I love your style, because I read your stuff, too, man. Like, I, whenever you post stuff, I usually read it. You know, like, the, the, I love, like, because you talk about pop culture, you talk about movies, you talk mm-hmm. about sports. Those are all the things I fuck with, you know? Yeah. You love, like, I know you love The Office. I love The Office. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, I got to meet Craig Robinson the other day, actually. Dude, cool yes, shit. I saw that picture. That was awesome. Yeah, I talked to him for, like, five minutes about New Orleans and shit and being a bouncer out there and shit. Um, yeah. How, how much I love, like, you know, different shit. And he was cool as the shit, man. He was. Just <laughs> chill but, um, and laid back like he is in yeah, TV, dude, I guess. Just so goddamn chill, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, hey, bro. I was like, a big fan, man. Uh, you know, I've been a bouncer for 12 years out in New Orleans. He's like, all right, know what you're going to say. I was like, oh, yeah? I was like. He's just a doorman, doorman. He started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, dude. <laughs> That's why, see, I told you I don't have, like, I always talk to him like that. And I was like, hey, man. I was like, you know, my boy, like, one of my boys out back home, we always, you know, we always need to make the clown about, like, I synced it and I'm doorman and shit when we was working. Yeah. I, was like, I, I was like, he would shit his pants if I got a picture. He's like, dude, yeah. And I took a picture with him, sent it to my boy, and I posted it. Yeah. But, um, but it was just funny. You know, it's cool. People like, you know, shit like that. Like, because... Do I care about getting a picture with Craig Robinson? No, I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? But I know that my people back home are like, oh, dude, like, that's so cool. Like, you're able to do that. And it's not like pandering to the crowd, but it's more like, look, player, I know y'all got my back. I'm letting y'all know, like, I'm not doing nothing. Because, like, somebody said something about, like, oh, you're making it. No, now I'm just in the same place as this dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm not making nothing. I'm like, I'm making it happen because I'm working. But I just happen to be in the same place. Right. But this is the place to be. You know what I'm saying? This is I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Well, you dude, know what I'm saying? The thing does with that make me, sense? yeah, no, it does. Okay. And you know, with me, I've I've seen a handful of celebrities. I mean, New Orleans. If you're in the right spot, you'll find them. But um, it's crazy because for me, I'm kind of like you in a sense of look. If the time's right and we're both in the same bar, I have no problem talking to somebody. But if I see somebody on the streets, I'm not gonna stop them from getting where they need to go. Exactly. Be- because it's happened on more than one occasion. Like obviously, the Manning Passing Academy, you know, comes through Thibodeau every year. And when I was working that, obviously, I'm still in college. I'm going out to the bars that night. All these high level college quarterbacks are there, including. Dude. Dude, I don't mean to cut you off, but what you're saying, did you were you there when uh remember P.O., right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I was standing right there when P.O. punched uh he punched Zach Mettenberger in the face outside of last call. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I didn't know that happened. Oh yeah, dude, it was the coolest shit. Oh my god. Uh, P.O. worked at the library and I worked at last call and uh P.O. was off of work and, and we, it was the night of banning shit and uh, they had a line or whatever. Zach Mettenberger was outside talking shit shit about I don't know he's drunk or something yeah and I, th- I, I don't remember what happened I think I want to say 
I I want to say that Matt Mettenberger apparently like grabbed some chick's ass oh, somewhere. Shit. Oh shit! And I think it was some chick that Po knew, and Po like confronted him about it, and I think he was a dick about it, so Po just yacked him in the grill. Nice. <laughs> I, was, I was fucking dead. Dude, you don't you don't you don't fuck with Polynesians, man. No, bro. Hey, dude. I became cool. I'm boys with a bunch of the Usos out here, like a whole oh, family shit. of Usos. Okay. Dude, they are the coolest fucking people. Yeah. Bro. I knew I would be boys with them, but they fucking <laughs> they are the shit. I worked for Coachella with them. They hit me up to work for Coachella. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I worked security with them. On it was me and eleven of the Usos. Holy uh, shit! Working security at the main stage of Coachella. Yeah. So I was the only white dude, and all the all the rest was the Usos. And I was, they, they made me like an honorary Uso. And uh, <laughs> I kept calling it Uso's 11. <laughs> oh, my God. Because they was like always, it was so funny because like when they, were, they wanted a break, you know, they would just replace each other. Because right. they all looked so similar because they all related. Right. They, they, they were like all cousins and shit. Yeah. So like one of them, like would they pull like the, like the Uso's, like, you know, like when one of them grabs the other one, pulls them out the ring and jumps in there. Right. Like it's him. The old, uh, the twin mat. Um, yeah. Twin, twin magic. magic yeah. They, they do that shit in real life at the security post. <laughs> hey, dude, if you can, <laughs> hey, if you could get away with it, do it, man. It's so hilarious, man. They were That's so awesome. Cool. But yeah, keep going, but keep going, my man. No, no, dude, you're good. Um, But yeah, man, so, you know, with the Passing Academy, I mean, I was, I talked to Johnny Manziel when he was here, AJ McCarron, like, all these dudes, and, you know, talked to them in the bar for a little bit, nothing crazy, you know, just talking to them about, you know, Passing Academy, you know, how they're liking it, and then dove into, you know, of course, their time with college football, what's you know, game plan, like all that stuff, just basic run of the mill, shoot the shit about football. But, and then there's been situations where I've passed celebrities on the streets. You know, I saw Jesse Eisenberg walking through new Orleans once. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, all right, cool. I know he sees me looking at him, but I'm not about to stop, make a scene. Exactly. But you there, gotta a, you're not a, you know, gonna be weird about it, like you know, the make a big funniest, scene. the funniest one that I ever encountered was actually in Disney World for my honeymoon. We're walking into the Grand Floridian, me and my wife, and we get into the elevator. Well, out coming from the elevator, fucking Whoopi Goldberg, and she's <laughs> got, dude, she's got the fucking shades on, and. She's peering down over the top of the shades, and all I can see is her eyes over the shades. And like, I was, I was legitimately shocked just because I'm like, I'm not expecting to see fucking Whoopi Goldberg, just a random celebrity. Not that I'm like a huge fan or anything, but I'm like, it's fucking Whoopi Goldberg. Like, um, so I, I see her peering over the top of the glasses. And I could just feel her melting because, like, my jaw was kind of on the floor, like, and my eyes were squinted. I know I was trying to figure out who it was because I'm processing everything, but she just had this look of just this motherfucker better not cause a scene on yeah, me. Yeah, don't, don't call, don't, don't. Oh, right, damn. and I walk into the yeah. elevator like I didn't say anything, and I turn to Melissa, and I just I look at her and go, "That was Whoopi fucking Goldberg," and. <laughs> Like, we just start laughing about it, and for the rest of the day, I'm just like, holy shit, that was Whoopi fucking Goldberg. But, again, it's just, it's a respect thing for me, because, like, for me, you know, we talk about being a face, being a heel, and, 
you kind of take the the more persona that you are in life and I tell people this all the time. If I was a celebrity and I could get away with it, I would be a fucking asshole. Like I'm yeah. a, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it because I couldn't deal with people coming up to me bothering me during dinner and stuff like that. Like I I went to I went to a restaurant uh one day with my family. I think it was for our birthdays. And we ran into someone I know, not that I necessarily liked. Um, and I'm not going to say where because I don't want to alienate anybody. But it, they started talking to me while I'm trying to eat with my family, trying to make all this small talk and make conversation. And I'm just like, dude, like, just go the fuck away. You can tell me hi and leave. Like, I don't want to fucking be bothered while I'm trying to have dinner with my family and my kid. So... From from just that perspective, I, and I tell people this all the time, if I was a celebrity and I had that kind of clout and I had to deal with people coming up to me, I'd be an absolute fucking piece of shit, and I'll, I'll say that point blank. <laughs> I'll tell you this, dude. I know exactly what you're saying about sitting at the table having people do that. Dude, when I worked at the clubs, bro, I worked at Last Call. I know I'd ended up knowing everybody from school and from working there. And when I'm trying to just do my job or I'm trying to just enjoy uh, a cigarette break, oh, that we'll use that one because that's the most pos- most uh, like numerous one that want to have a unanimous one. If I'm outside smoking a cigarette, I'm taking a five minute break to recharge my batteries because I'm right. dealing with all this shit. Right. And 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 when I'm busy and shit, and I got all these people, and they're my friends or they're people I fuck with, you know. And then there's never nobody that I don't ever want to say hi to. Right. But it's just like, dude, like I'm doing stuff right now. Like, hey, what's up, player? You know, like, but I would always try to be yeah. like, hey, what's up, bro? And they're like, hey, so how you been, man? I'm like, I'm doing good, brother. Um, I'm I'm really busy right now, but I'll holler at you in a bit, okay? Like, I always try to to be like that, but there's those times where I'm like, I ain't got time for your shit, player. And I gotta yeah. go. You know what I'm saying? No, for so sure. I, I and it's like, never. Like, but I, it's funny because when I worked at Red Eye, like it would happen a lot. Is like I would have so yeah. much going on because they were so understaffed and over uh, over busy, and I'd have so much going on. And I'm like, if this is what it's like when I'm fucking when I'm fucking famous, if this is what's gonna be like, fuck that. <laughs> right. I'm like, God damn it! I ain't famous yet. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle it. Like, cause if this right. is what it's like, I'm gonna end up being like fucking Alec Baldwin punches somebody in the goddamn mouth. Right. No, dude, and I, I, no, I get it, because, you know, and it, it's not so much of of being a, going out of your way to be a dick, because if someone just tells me hi, and gives me the, the nod, or dap off, or whatever it is, like, yeah, dude, what's up, every single time, but the second you stop me from getting to where I need to go, or you're preventing me from spending time with my family, or anything like that, then it's like, okay, dude, all bets are off. That's those um, people that, that they, they don't got what they call the social skills. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and speaking of Waterboy, coming full circle. But, um, no, that's uh, one interesting story that I have, I guess, before we wrap up here. So, Seth Rollins, when WrestleMania was here. Oh, that's right. Um, Matt, uh, you know Matt Free, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he and I went to WrestleMania together. Well, he had gone to a show at House of Blues the day before WrestleMania. Uh-huh. And Seth Rollins, obviously one of the biggest names on the card. Seth uh-huh. Rollins was in House of Blues seeing the same show. Yeah. And when we met uh Seth Rollins at Fan Access, now this was this was for WrestleMania thirty, so this was six years uh-huh. ago. Um yeah. Seth, we meet Seth Rollins at Fan Access. 
that was like the go-to. That was something we had to do. We picked that day specifically for him. Well, Matt's talking to him as he's signing the picture for Matt and everything. And he's just like, yeah, dude, I actually saw you at House of Blues uh, the other day, but I didn't want to bother you. You know, you looked like you were with your girl or whatever. And Seth looked at him and he was just like, dude, you were the only fucking one. Because he was just getting bombarded all night while he's trying to enjoy a fucking night out before he works the biggest match of the of his, you know, year the next day. And it's just like, dude. I, and I can see, I can, and I love that, and I can see both sides of it because you know, like they are, you know, when people come up, you know, you're gonna be cool about it because you're not gonna be, like, you know, somebody like Seth, you know, like they're not gonna be a dick about it. I'm like, yeah, I know what's up, bro, because like, I know there's the people that know that, like, some of these people that makes their fucking day, you know, and they get yeah. stories like that, you know, where they can say, dude, that one time I said what's up to him, it was cool as fuck, you know, exactly. And then they got the other, and they got the other side of it where it's like, goddamn, these people, bro. You know, so I, I can see both sides of it. But I mean, I feel like whenever, if and when that does happen for me, I feel like I'm going to be cool with them. You know, I'm be like, hey, bro, look, thanks, man. You know, but I, I, I can, I guess, you know, verbal judo my way out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You ever read that book, Verbal Judo? No, I haven't. No. Oh, dude, it's a fucking cool book, man. <laughs> uh, it's a cool book. It's like this dude that was like a... Uh, He's like an English professor at like some university. Yeah, and uh, he quit. He like he quit doing it to uh, to be a cop. Yeah, because he wanted to like go ride along and like study it. He was like psychology shit too, and uh, he did English and psychology or something. And uh, he worked with the cops and became a cop and uh, like learned like how to verbal how to do verbal judo basically, which is like turn people's like you know aggression and like calm them down and shit. It was real good for bounce. It's like something I read for bouncing. I used verbal judo on Peyton Manning, I think. I let Peyton, I think I let Peyton Manning bum a cigarette from me at the Manning Passing Academy. <laughs> Dude, I had uh, – so it's no secret that I'm not the biggest Peyton Manning fan. I mean, as far as him as a quarterback goes, like, yeah, he's one of the best all time. As far as Peyton Manning, the person, I think he's the silver spoon um, heralded version of – Messiah level that you can't the touch. Thing, the only thing bigger than his forehead is his ego. Yeah. And yeah. and I hate that he's the golden boy in the media. But mm-hmm. and so Manning Passing Academy rolls through. And because I work for Nichols, obviously I'm roaming around the field house doing whatever the fuck I want just because if I wear a Nichols football shirt and – make it look like I'm part of the team, well, they're not going to tell me anything. So I'm doing that, and, you know, I'm cool. Like, I'm just out there getting pictures, having fun, like doing stuff for for the radio station, you know, just trying to get content. Well, of course, you know, the Peyton Manning, the first day there, they run routes with some of the receivers, and and it's all like the the big-time D1 guys. Uh, you know, all the quarterbacks and then Nichols receivers, stuff like that. They're all doing the little private workout. And of course, Peyton's asked to get pictures after with a bunch of them. Well, we're hanging out and one of my buddies asked for a picture with Peyton and Peyton's of course losing his patience. He's not a very patient individual and kind of going what we're talking about with, uh, not having places to go, wanting to be left alone in situations like this, where you're specifically there but it's after your job's concluded like dude you can't be a dick when people ask you to stick around and take pictures because you're at an event that's predicated on getting pictures and publicity so my buddy asked for a picture and Peyton's kind of a dick about it 
And he's like, oh, dude, you don't even have the camera out. Can you hurry up? And uh, just kind of pushing him along. And my buddy's fumbling with the camera, getting it out of his pocket. And I just look at him dead in the face right in front of Manning. And keep in mind, I'm wearing my press pass, too. So I thought for sure it might get revoked. But I look at my buddy and I was like, yeah, dude, can you hurry up? That's Peyton freaking Manning. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, yeah, like I'm probably like, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have said that. Peyton didn't think anything of it. Like he, I don't think he even heard it, but, uh, dude, it was the one time I was like, ah, shit, I probably spoke too soon and probably should have put a cap on it. Cause dude, when I tell you, I thought for sure my press pass was getting revoked after that. I was like, fuck man. All right. Well, I guess I'm not going to air it out on Saturday. But it's just, like, dude, it's one of those things. It's a fine line. Uh, you know, when you're out in public, and I, I don't fault celebrities, but when I do fault celebrities, it's at events like that. Like, if you're going to be a dick at an event that's predicated on publicity, like, dude, that's a you problem. Don't go to the fucking event. Yeah, I feel you. And, dude, I'll be honest with you. I've encountered a lot of close uh, celebrity encounters of the third kind or whatever. Like, uh, I ain't. I'm be honest. I don't think I've met any of them that have been the dick, which That's is really good. funny. Like, but every I feel like every single one I've met or like interacted with have been cool as shit. That's awesome. Yeah, for real. Well, dude, uh, I, never, if you... I, I didn't I didn't get to interact with them, dude. But like, I will say that I was within like like if I if I like I was within uh within a foot from Beyonce's ass. <laughs> And Cardi B's ass. Oh God! At, at different times. Yeah. I work. I work different events. And uh, well, dude, like if right you're in, the, if you're in between both like, of them at the same those, time, that's those, a black those, hole. Those those, 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 fucking like, uh, those like, you know, uh, mythological asses. You know that like we've seen on TV and heard stories of. But like I got to see them in real life, and I'm like, those are just so cool, bro. <laughs> I like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's oh, fucking my awesome. God. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Nate, I don't. You know. We play up the joke of you being a douchebag. That might have been the most douchebag thing I've ever heard you say. So, kudos. I'm just saying, bro. I'm just saying, bro. You got to put respect on it. I'm just saying you got to put some respect on it, bro. You know what I'm saying? We all, if you don't, if you're a dude and you don't like anybody, like everybody likes butts. You know what I'm saying? Everybody likes ass. That's why Sir Mix-A-Lot made the song, man. Right? Well, I got a bit about juvenile. Uh, (laughs) About back that ass up. Yeah. And, uh. And yeah, I've been working on that one, and I really like that. Nice, one. man. Well, but dude, yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, man, it's been good. Hell yeah, man. Well, I'm happy to happy to hear all the good things that are coming your way. And um, dude, I mean, this is gonna release January first, so hopefully 2020 is the year that you uh, you get the big oh, break, is, man. Bro. Hey, bro, I've been calling it for a while. I graduated when I was 24, and I said I want to have a million dollars when I'm 30. Uh, I'm about a million away. But uh, nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine away. But uh, but I got a good feeling about this year, man. I don't care about no million dollars. I care about you know succeeding to what I'm trying to do. And uh, I really feel like with the way things have been going, this is going to be the year that I I can kick that ass. You well, know? hell yeah, man. We'll keep in touch, and uh, you know, we'll definitely try to get a uh, a recap I, uh, uh, maybe hey, midway through. Absolutely, and let me ask you this. So I'm going to start my podcast when I get back from Christmas. I'm going to start mine up uh, yeah. out here because I got a friend that uh, with a podcast studio. Yeah. So I'm going to start mine up, and uh, I'd love to have you on mine uh, whenever I get it started up. Hell yeah, man. I'm about that life. You know that. 
All right, cool. But, uh, nah, man, I appreciate you coming on. It was good catching up. And, dude, Nate Welsh, man, good luck in 2020. Keep making people laugh and keep uh, playing up the uh, the little Debbie Stone Cold bastard. No, oh, I will, bro. Louisiana snack cake. I'll choose. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy, brother. All right, brother. Talk to you later, man. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at hotardhuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle.